Hello, welcome to Spiritual Warfare. My name is Teresa. And hi, my name's Kay. Today, we will be reading from the book Made for This by Jenny Allen. And Kay, we're going to be talking about embracing uncertainties today, but do you have anything to share with us today, Miss Kay? Um, yeah, I think I do. Okay. Um, just looking at the um, subject that we are are looking at, first of all, uh, in this day, embracing uncertainties. I have some very dear friends that the wife has struggled with brain tumors for a year and a half. And, you know, I know that, you know, God gives us life and and we know this. I mean, we know this, that... You know, we are born and, and then we and then we die. Uh, but death is just hard on this side. And uh, that's what this reminds me of is embracing the uncertainties. You know, when people go through such things like that, um, not knowing from day to day what God's plan is. And so she went home to be with the Lord on Thursday. And it was time. But I'm... Just think of embracing the uncertainties from here on out for the family. How old was she? 62. 62, our age. Yeah. I will be 62. Yeah, yeah, our age. And so, you know, I know there's probably others out there too that um, have faced those kind of things or maybe facing those kind of things today. And I just pray that they are just surrounded by God and surrounded by people that are walking with them through it. Did you get to speak to her before she passed? I did. She, I'd actually been there on, on a few occasions. Uh, but the last time she was not responsive. And she she grasped my hand a few times and made some facial expression. They always say that your hearing is the last, you know, that, to go. that, that goes. But unfortunately, uh, the tumor grew enough. It was causing pressure, brought her to the point where she couldn't eat anymore and but Kay, yeah. you were there for her, and she saw that. Yeah, I, I you believe, know, I believe in my heart. Yeah, anybody, anybody. Yeah. I yeah. mean, and she squeezed yeah. your hand, and yeah. you know, people need that if they're on their deathbed. They do, and you were there yeah. for her. So I know, you know, without a shadow of a doubt, she, she's God's daughter, and you know, just reading her obituary last night and the legacy. That she has left, that is important in our lives, the legacy that we that we leave behind, but the lives that she touched. And she was very musical, a fantastic piano player, and she even um, helped some of the most difficult students overcome and become piano players. And she played in symphonies and... Dang, she's probably playing away up in uh, heaven, I isn't know. she? That's what we oh said. my goodness. Yeah. And her mother passed away a few months ago. Oh wow. And Sherry was able to play the piano. Not perfectly, because of her condition. Um, Ten Thousand Reasons, I think that's the name of the song that she played, but she was able to um, play the piano for her mother's funeral. Oh, okay. Yeah. Which that brought great joy to the family, you know. So it was what she always wanted to be able to do. So praise God that he made that possible. Shall we dive in? Yes, please. If you wouldn't mind, Kay, start us at embracing uncertainties. So no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love him. 
1 Corinthians 2.9 We face so many uncertainties in life, especially when deciding whether to step out into a dream or even dream in the first place. Not knowing if we're on the right track can stop us before we start. But don't be afraid to ask the big question. Whatever the answer is, we can trust that God has prepared something good for us. You may be asking, stay or go? I used to think missionaries were the only fully surrendered (laughs) superheroes of the faith. No kidding. The truly godly sold all they owned and lived in huts somewhere. The next highest level of superheroes committed to vocational ministry in the United States. This thought now makes me sick to write because the most surrendered people I know are living normal lives. Helping the people who come into their paths in profound ways. Physicians, waiters, stay-at-home moms, builders, landscapers. They're doing the things that God put them on earth to do. If they ask the question, is this about us or about God? They'd know without a doubt their answer, God. However, some have prayed and given their lives and they were called to go. Our good friends Gloria and Dave Furman began the first evangelical English-speaking Christian church in downtown Dubai. They obeyed and left every comfort of a familiar culture, and God is using them to impact one of the most influential parts of the world. Our friends Bill and Lisa Miller knew they could take their love for God into Prague, but not as vocational ministers, so he is a professor at a local college. With his gifts and training, they have seen many people come to Christ. So, do you stay or do you go? I do not know. I am not telling you to move. I am not telling you to stay. Just to say, God, have your way. Small or big? I can't tell the difference between what the world thinks is big or small and what God thinks is big or small because it is the wrong question and I rarely ask it anymore. The only question to ask here is, what am I supposed to do, God? And then do it. Don't analyze it, just do it. In the coming days, you'll find out more about how Joseph knew God deeply and trusted him. So much of his life seemingly inconsequential, like scrubbing floors in Potiphar's house. But to him, scrubbing a floor with excellence mattered to God. Staring at a prison wall for years mattered because it was building the character of a man who would forgive the evil of his brothers and who ultimately and most importantly would lead a country out of ruin. In our culture, we judge with backward values and twisted motives. We love to make stars out of people and then watch them fall. We do this for sport And then we crave that stardom that is so obviously not fulfilling. An old saying goes, do what you love and the money will follow. I don't know if you will love what God calls you to do. You might, and I certainly can't promise that money will follow. It may, but I can tell you that at the end of our lives, when we stand before God, these are the only things that will matter. Did I do what God wanted me to do while I was here? Did I complete the works he had for me? Did I fulfill my purposes in this generation? So instead of waiting until we're standing in God's throne room, let's work backward and ask those questions now. Let's live them today. 
not for salvation that can't be earned, but in response to God who built and rescued us as part of his great purpose. If you are willing, he will lead you. Small or big, it's so relative. If we compare ourselves to others, what they are doing can shrink our important roles till they seem insignificant. Comparison robs us of the joy of obedience. When you are feeling small, know that the most inconspicuous tasks are usually building big things we can't see yet. Vocation or calling. Are we talking about our jobs or our callings here? In many ways, this is a similar question to the small or big question, and it has a similar answer. For some of us, our careers are our calling. And we live out our calling while doing a job. It is a rare gift to pay your bills as you fill up your soul. For most of the world and most every generation, work is about provision, not personal fulfillment. There's enough personal satisfaction in being able to feed your family. Within the Western world, we have the luxury of millions of jobs and almost as many fields, even in times of economic crisis. And yet sometimes people complain about their unsatisfying jobs for years. Personally, I want to shake them and say, we live in a world where you can change your job. Change it, for crying out loud. But sometimes we are called to stay in our places, even if it is the most mind-numbing, miserable thing in the world. This is about something deeper than a job, and we'll talk more about it later. Yet, we can't ignore our jobs. This is about how we spend our minutes and our days, because eventually our minutes and days equal our lives. God calls people to all types of vocations. For example, David was a warrior and then a king. Nehemiah was a cupbearer and then a wall builder. Daniel and Joseph were counselors to national leaders. Jesus was a carpenter before his life in ministry, and Paul was a tent maker. There are no such things as spiritual and secular jobs. We made that up. God calls people to himself and then calls us to display him in every way wherever we are. So, are you called to teach or write or mother or build homes or fly planes? Beautiful. Do it as unto the Lord. God works He builds and creates. He sees chaos and brings order. And his work is characterized by joy and service to us. You were made to create and build and reflect his image. Work was given as a gift before the fall. We weren't made to sit around and do nothing. We were made to work in the mundane, but we aren't defined by the mundane because Jesus set us apart with a deep purpose to live out as we teach or write, or mother, or build homes, or five planes. There's no difference between a vocation and a calling. If you're showing God to the world in whatever job you're doing, you're on the right track. And Kay, what are some questions you would like the listeners to think about next week? Has uncertainty ever stopped you from embracing a dream? How and when? Sometimes it's fear. Because you don't know if you'll succeed. I think a lot of times, a lot of times it's fear. Mm -hmm. Stepping out and taking the chance. Wondering if you'll succeed. And most people who are head of households, they know that they have to have a steady income 
So they're afraid. But if God is leading you to change, you don't have to worry about any of that because he's going to take care of you. Yes. How have small callings or tasks led to bigger things in your life? That's a good one. Because I think that so many times we think of grandioso. True. If it's not like, big, why do Bill it? Bill Graham. Yes. You know? True. True. Um, mm-hmm. Not the small mundane. And those are the people that really need help. It's the people around you. It doesn't have to be on a huge scale. That is a huge scale for heaven. If you even bring two or three people into the kingdom. The next one, when it comes to callings and dreams, are big and small ultimately any different? How or how not? (laughs) I guess we kind of went ahead there. Yeah, we did a little bit, didn't we? My thought was going, whoa, yeah. Yeah. Reflect on the ideal that the most inconspicuous tasks are usually building big things we can't see yet. What inconspicuous tasks are you engaged in? Has work ever felt mundane for you? What does it mean to you that we were made to work in the mundane, but we aren't defined by the mundane? Read First Corinthians 2. 6 through 16. And as you think about your answers to today's questions, how could some of the small callings or mundane things of life be considered like the foolishness the world sees in verse 14? How does the person with the Spirit judge such things? And how does verse 7 describe God's wisdom? How can that help in our uncertainties? After reading these passages, consider the answer to these two questions. Are you ready? (laughs) Yes, we're ready. Who are you, Lord? And what do you want for me? Thank you for stopping by. We appreciate it. And next week, we will be talking about what we can know and what we can't. Have a great week. God bless you.